This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Josh Heisman and New Hope Community Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. For more information, visit newhopechurchtn.org. It's a great song, Your Love is Wild. Uh, I'm happy to be preaching on this song uh, as part of the Behind the Music series. Uh, this is one of the songs that, you know, as we looked through ones that we really wanted to introduce, um, had, you know, good content and really spoke what we believe. Uh, this is the one I kind of brought forward. So I'm definitely happy to be talking about this one with you guys today. Um, it's interesting. Your love is wild. That's not usually something that I hear described for, with God's love. Wild. Usually we hear good, great, um, which those words kind of lose meaning after a while too. Like the pizza was really good. Maybe Thanksgiving dinner was really good. God's love is really good. Um, these w- words kind of lose meaning. And then we have words like enduring, uh, steadfast, and those words still hold some value. But especially for Christians, we, we kind of hear those so much that they become a little bland uh, if, you, if you aren't careful. But wild some, somehow just like kind of adds a new flavor to, to the description of God's love. Um, and it's weird because usually wild is described describing something bad. Um, as kids, we're usually told, don't be wild or stay away from those wild kids. Don't hang out with that group. I know uh, my, I can hear my mother's voice. Uh, uh, she's, you know, I think there was one, one girl I dated that she was like, why didn't that wild girl? She seems kind of wild. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it has this bad uh, connotation in your mind from when you're growing up because your parents want you to be controlled, well-behaved, and uh, for good reason, too, because wild usually, uh, usually abandon self-preservation uh, and abandon good judgment uh, and kind of let it all go. Um, and, but, but wild necessarily isn't necessarily bad. Wild is kind of an amoral thing. It's not good, not bad. But when humans come across wild behavior, because we're naturally fallen, uh, we kind of make a mess of everything. And it hurts us, hurts others. But when you ascribe wild to God, uh, someone who is all good, then it is actually a very good thing. Um, so we need to kind of pull ourselves out of the mindset that wild kind of isn't, doesn't fit our box of what we put God in. Um, because we, we ru- live by rules, and what, since we're, we're young, we learn to live by rules so we're not wild. We kind of put God in a box. Sometimes we model how God is after how we think we should be, um, and he's much more than that, obviously. Um, so I think this song does a great job of breaking God out of the box we kind of put him in. Uh, because if you're like me, I like things neat and orderly. Uh, if you ask my wife, she, she knows I'm kind of obsessive. Uh, so if anything's out of place, doesn't matter if you're using it or not, it's got to be in its place. Um, and that's how we treat God. Like, everything has to be how we want it to be. It has to be in its place. And if it acts out of what we think is its place, it's scary. Um, so it breaks God out of this comfortable box we kind of put him in and what we say his love is. Um, I was reading a, a sermon by John Piper today, or last week. And uh, he's someone I have a lot of respect for. He seems to have really interesting insight. Uh, and he was talking about the depth of Christ's love and uh, how we can kind of see how deep Christ's love is. In one of his points, uh, he said uh, that we can see the depth of love by seeing how undeserving the subject of love is. So we can see the depth of Christ's love, or we can even see the depth of someone's love for us as humans by seeing how undeserving we are. And I think that's really important. Uh, sometimes we, we kind of lose sight of how deep it is because loves everyone. Um, but when you put in that context of the depth of his love, you can, you can measure that by how undeserving 
uh, you know, we are of it. And we, know, we all know people that are, that are easy to love, right? And some that are really hard to love. And holidays have that, uh, have that knack for getting those people that are hard to love around you. Uh, so, I, I, I don't know, I was thinking in my mind, like, if you don't know which person in your, on your, around your holiday table is hard to love, then maybe it's you, you know? Like, kind of like, there's always a weird one in the group, and if you don't know who it is, it's you. Uh, and then I was like, well, who's the hard, one that's hard to love in my group? I couldn't think of anybody, so I was a little concerning. Uh, no, but, uh, so we're all hard to love sometimes. We all know there's people that are harder to love than others. Uh, and right there, you can see how kind of shallow our love can be pretty easily and how great God's love can be pretty easily. Uh, John Piper turns to Romans uh, 5, 1 through 11 and Matthew 5, 46 through 47. And uh, Romans here is on the screen. And it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we are still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For, the one, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person would dare even to die for, uh, someone would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have been now justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled by God, by the, uh, to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we ha- now have reconciliation. So while we were enemies, so if you think about the person that's hard to love, they're probably your family. Uh, usually, you know, families have a tendency of, of uh, becoming hard to love here and there. Sometimes more than friends, because if a friend all of a sudden gets hard to love, you kind of like distance yourself. But family, you're, you're stuck with. Uh, family, you, you, you know, you're with and you love them. And there's this, there's this love that goes beyond sometimes liking, uh, if we're honest. Sometimes we may not like someone, like if you go to a family reunion, you're like, ah, stay away from them. But we're going to hang out with them, you know, maybe get them a present for Christmas, but just kind of stay away. Um, but so... Uh, you, while we were still enemies, uh, you wouldn't even probably talk to your enemies, but the people that are hard to love, you still kind of talk to. But it says when we were God, enemies of God, he, he died for us. Now, we, we barely even talk to people who we still kind of love sometimes. Uh, so that's, that's just showing the depth of God's love right there. And if you move to uh, Matthew 5, 46 and 47, it says, if you, if you love those that love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And even if you greet your brothers only, what do you do more than others? Do not the Gentiles do the same? So it's talking about, yeah, the people that are easy to love, it's, it's easy. Um, love doesn't really show depth until it gets applied to people or things that don't deserve it. Um, obviously, it's good to love people that are easy to love, but it doesn't show the strength of your love, right? Uh, so Christ died for us while we were enemies of God, and there's no subject, subject less deserving than we are. Uh, and, and we'll see that more as we continue on. Uh, because Christ met us when we are so far away from him. Um, but the problem is sometimes we kind of lose sight of how, how bad we are. Uh, and this isn't like, let's beat each other up time. This is like, let's just get a perspective. Uh, we forget that we're, we're bad, naturally wicked. Uh, we're like, oh, we're not that bad. First um, John 1.8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
Uh, and we, we do deceive ourselves pretty well. Uh, sometimes we don't even recognize it, which shows how deceitful we are, just right there. Uh, but it reminds me of the first time, I went, or when I first got my license, um, I was lucky enough to get a, a nice car and, you know, it was better than everybody else's, I thought. And, you know, it was cool looking. It wasn't like built in the 80s like some of my friends had. It was a little, little more modern. Um, but, you know, I, I quickly learned that cars break. And mine like to break a lot. And it cost a lot of money. And uh, even when it got fixed, you're like, all right, we're good. And then it would break again. And you're like, I don't, I'm, I'm in high school. I can't pay for this. Uh, so I learned very quickly that cars cost a lot of money. And then, uh, you know, after a while, I started getting, like, anxiety about it. I'm kind of weird, so, like, I remember having, like, stress dreams about my car breaking, and I couldn't afford to fix it. Uh, and uh, I don't know if any of you relate to that. I don't know. I'm kind of weird like that. But um, so there was this one point where I heard this noise again after I put, like, thousands into this car, um, and it was, like, this grinding noise when I would turn up and to the left. I, I narrowed it down. Uh, and then I was like, you know what? I just won't turn up and to the left. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just go the other way. And uh, so you know, that was my solution for most of my car problems, just turn the music up and you can't hear it. You know, those subs will really kick in that bass, you won't hear any bumps. Um, but so I, I, I made it so, I, you know, I knew when the trouble would hit usually, and I just avoided turning up and to the left. Um, but there was this gas station on the way home from school that I used to stop at, and their main entrance was up and to the left. So it got so bad that I just would end up going past it, making a U-turn and going in right. Like, I totally avoided it. Um, and it, it, was, it was bad. So, you know, a couple months went by of all this avoidance. Finally, I brought it to the shop. And, uh, and the guy was like, I want to show you what's going on here. And so he brought me back. And I felt like a kid being scolded, because that's kind of how I was. Um, but he's like, look at what's going on here. And, and this, I don't know much about cars, but this is what I know. Uh, so the strut had, like, popped out of place and was jamming into the hood. So every time I would turn, it would, like, jam into the hood, and it would, like, created this dig, this whole, like, almost like a hole dug into the hood. So, like, it's a huge, huge problem. If I ignored it more, it would probably break the whole car and be a mess. But I got it fixed, and he, like, covered up the, like, patch the hole and all that, and I went on my way. And I got a little better at uh, caring for my cars, but my, the worst one was probably last, the last car I had. I was, uh, I was driving around. It was when I was still in Pennsylvania, and uh, I heard this noise in the front. And uh, I even took it to someone that I, I knew would tell me what I wanted to hear. We all find that mechanic that we're like, oh, he'll let stuff slide, you know? Uh, so I had one of those mechanics. And uh, we, we kind of do that with ourselves with like, we're like, do you think this is that bad? And they're like, no, no, it's good. So like, we even do that ourselves to excuse what we do. Um, so I brought up this mechanic. Uh, he's like, no, you know, it's just this, you know, this bearing. You can, you can get a place to place in like a, a year or so. It'll be fine. Uh, I was like, all right, it sounds terrible, but I'll, I'll believe him because I don't want to put money into it. Uh, so like, I had, knew I had this problem, and I just put it to the side until it was convenient for me to fix it. Uh, and then we made a trip up to New Hampshire, Becca and I, and uh, it got a lot worse. So I brought it to my, camp, my mechanic up there, and uh, he was not one of the guys that was going to let things slide. Uh, and he gave me a call, and uh, he was like, so as you drive, your car is essentially pulling itself apart. And he's like, the axle's bad, the wheels are bad. He like started listing everything that was wrong with it. It was basically a whole new car, which is why I got a new car. But, uh, you know, I was driving, and the car was pulling itself apart. And that's kind of how we are, too, with sin in our lives. We, we have this problem. We maybe know it's bad. We get, you know, um, someone to speak into our life to make sure that we're, do, you know, not doing something too bad. We're like, is this okay if you do this? And if you ask around and tell someone who agrees with you. And then you kind of push it aside until it's convenient for it to fix. Um, but the, what ends up happening as you go along, it's slowly tearing your life up. 
All right? Um, and that, that's really how we are. We, we forget how, how naturally bad we are because we tend to excuse ourselves, put things in the, on the back burner, uh, just kind of ignore it until it's convenient. And then all of a sudden we end up in this mess. And we're like, how in the world did I get here? Um, and I'm not saying that it's only you guys that are bad, because I'm pretty bad too. Like, if, if you relate to me at all, which we're all human, so I'm sure you do, uh, I, get, I barely get out of the parking lot before I do something that's stupid. Um, <laughs> usually I get onto the road, but sometimes in the parking lot. Uh, but, you know, I go down Concord Road, and I'm driving along. I'm like, you know, the message was really good this morning. You know, going, talking with the youth was great. Uh, worship was really good. It hit home. and love what Josh had to say about freedom. And I'd also love this moron would learn how to drive in front of me. <laughs> like, green, man, go. Like, you know, just in the same sentence, you know, I can quickly just totally turn it to where, like, man, I'm so grateful and this idiot in front of me. Man. <laughs> So, like, I don't know, I, I have problems on the road. Maybe you don't, but... Um, or we all like going out to lunch after, after church. And how many times do we get there and we're like, how long has it been? Like, did we time this? Me and, me and, my, me and my parents got into this thing where, like, we should start timing it to figure out when exactly we feel offended that we've been left here so long. Um, but you get there and you're like, place your order. Maybe he comes quick, maybe he doesn't. And then all of a sudden, how long is this going to take? I deserve better than this. Uh, we think we deserve better. And then you get it and it's wrong. You're like, this idiot, how, how hard is it to screw up a hamburger? Like, it's not that hard to, to get this right. Um, and we, we think we deserve better because we think, like pride somehow has a way of not going checked in our lives, I've noticed. Um, and so we have this like, I deserve better. Because uh, I'm pretty good, like um, I'm better than these people at least. And that's what happens too. We, we lose sight of how, how we are naturally. Uh, and then when you lose sight, when you think you're pretty good, God's love doesn't seem all that great. Like, it seems pretty good. God's love seems pretty good because you think you're pretty good, so it doesn't take that much to love me. Uh, and that's the, that's the problem. Uh, we forget, you know, with a balance. You have to, you know, keep all this in perspective. Because um, we're on this natural course that we're, we're going on, and as humans, our natural course is to uh, separation from God, unless God intervenes, right? Um, so unless, unless something interacts with our naturally sinful course, uh, we will end up away from God. Uh, and that's, that's what we need to keep, keep in perspective. We need a wildly loving God because we are wildly sinful. Uh, I kept asking myself, why does it matter that God's love is wild? Like, why, why should I even care that that's a description? And it's because, you know, well, first, even asking why, does, why do I care that God's love is wild says something about yourself. I think it says something about me. Um, but I was, you know, figuring this out too. You know, I, I, I'm preaching to myself here as much as I'm preaching to you because uh, I need a lot more love to come out of me, because I've received a lot. Um, but like, why do I even care? It's because God's love doesn't seem wild, or doesn't need to be wild, unless you realize how wildly sinful we are. How, how you, you can't even get out of the parking lot at church without being like, oh, these idiots, you know? Um, and that's just a small thing. And uh, we, we, we tend to think these small sins are fine, but it's the big ones that those really count. But, on, you know, on the, on the spectrum of, or the, the measure of righteousness they all fill, fill that measure pretty fast. You know, you, you, you do one little thing, and it's, you're equally as guilty as, as everyone else. Uh, and we forget that. We, we need a wildly loving God. So what happens when we are met with a wild love is our life changes, or it certainly should. Um, the verse in, your, in, in, the, in the song, Your Love is Wild, says, uh, Your love, a mighty river, your grace, a raging sea. Your mercy knows no measure as it crashes over me. Because your love is wild, 
There is hope for those in darkness. He gives beauty for these ashes who can fathom this exchange. So God, God's love changes the course of our lives. And this, it's not really tame imagery that the writer uses here. It's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty strong, like a raging river. If, if you ever, have ever been whitewater rafting, anyone ever been whitewater rafting here? Yeah. You know that that river is not going to be like always really gentle. Uh, it's not always going to be like perfectly calm. Uh, it's, it takes control of you, and if you think you want to go that way, you're probably going to go the way it's going. Um, it, it's very powerful. It brings you where it wants you, no matter how hard you fight. And sometimes when you fight, you get hurt, right? Um, and same with, with the sea, the ocean, the raging sea. Um, you know, it's, if, any of you, if any of you have ever been on a boat um, when it's been storming out there, it's not, not that calm. You know, we think of, like, the ocean is so peaceful, and then, man, when you hit a storm or something and the waves are crashing over you, uh, it, it's, it's pretty, uh, you, you figure out pretty quick that you are very powerless. Uh, and that's how God's love is with us. We are, we are powerless against it. Uh, it takes us and brings us where it wants us uh, and takes us off of our natural course of sin and separation from God. It leads us to him, even when it's not maybe comfortable. Um, and there's two verses I want us to look at, want us to look at too. Uh, Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, in the flesh, I live by, the, by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave, me, uh, gave himself for me. So God changes us so much that it's him living through us now, or it should be. It should be him loving people through us. Um, he completely changes pretty much the makeup of us uh, when he intervenes in our lives. Uh, the next verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17, says, Therefore, uh, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So we are, it says we are a new creation. It changes us so much, in fact, that we're completely new. We're, you know, the old, it says the old has died, basically, uh, and we are new and alive in Christ. So God's love drastically changes our lives. Um, the chorus we sing, your love uh, is wild, fire in my soul. Your love is wild, greater than I know, and I'm coming alive, and it's beautiful because your love is wild. Uh, see, sometimes in worship songs, like, if you, if you look closely, sometimes there's like a checklist of what words you think you have to use or the writer has to use. And it's like water, fire, uh, like raging. Like you're like, okay, it's a checklist of, you know, worship lyrics. But this one, I, I really like this, this lyric. Um, your love is wild, fire in my soul. And you think like, what is that? And, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, I'm on fire for God and it's exciting and it's just like energy. Uh, but I don't, I don't see this one like that. Uh, there's, there's multiple times in scripture when God's work in our life, uh, God's purifying us or renewing us, is, is described as a silversmith. Um, the imagery they give is like a silversmith. And I think we have a picture. Um, and what happens is, is when someone's refining silver, yeah, there it is. Uh, they take this, this, basically this raw silver. I don't know too much about it, but they take this raw silver and they heat it up really, really, really hot. So they put it under fire. Uh, and you can see the impurities burn away. And even when it's getting shiny like that, it still looks kind of ugly because it's still burning away the, the, the raw uh, silver. And then it gets to be like that a little bit. And then you're like, okay, it's done. But then you see these, like, these nasty impurities like this brown goo bubbled up and then go to the sides and kind of like burn away. Uh, and and that's, that's what happens when you know, God refines us too. Like there's this, this, just, uh, this raw, natural dirtiness. And he, and he heats it up. And with the, the fire in my soul, that's how I see the fire in my soul. It's God's love heating up what we are to get rid of the impurities. Uh, and it, when I was looking up, like, what's the refining silver method or whatever, um, there was, 
they were saying that, in, at least in the ancient times when they were doing this, the silversmith knew the silver was done when he could see himself in it. And I thought that was really, really cool imagery, too, because, uh, you know, our, our goal is for people to see Christ in us. And, you know, as Christ is refining us, we should be reflecting him more and more. Um, and I had never seen, like, a, a video or anything, but I watched this one, and it was really, really cool. Because um, you could see, you know, even when he thought it was done, like, we think a lot that we're like, all right, we're good. You know, I've got to this part, I got rid of this thing in my life, I'm good. But even when you think it's done, these impurities keep bubbling up if you let Christ's love keep refining you. Uh, and I just think that's, that's such a cool imagery for that, that chorus. Your love is a wild fire in my soul. I'm coming alive and it's beautiful because this is what's happening. Uh, you're, you're getting the impurities out of my life. Um, so God is constantly making us more like himself. And it's, it's an odd contrast because in our culture and society, we, we kind of put love in this box for everything. Like, love is always comfortable. Love is always, you know, warm and fuzzy. Warm, love always accepts us. It's like, that can be it. You know, love is accepting. Obviously, God's love is accepting of everybody. But it's not always warm and fuzzy. It's not always comfortable. Sometimes it's, it's painful. Parents, I'm sure you know, you know, there's times when you love your kids, and it seems like they, they probably think you hate them for what you're doing. Like, discipline and making people better isn't always comfortable. It's confusing when we think love you know, it should only be warm and fuzzy, and then we're met with this love that completely changes us, even when it's not comfortable. Um, so God's love does that. And when we can't, you know, come alive, it won't be beautiful unless we understand that God's love does refine us. And it's not always comfortable. He brings us through, through trials and, and circumstances that make us more like him. Uh, so we need to kind of redefine that, that sense of lo- what love is, too, um, and not just let it be the one-sided love, but it needs to be, you know, accepting and also making you better. Um, and this whole thing, uh, I kept, for some reason, the prodigal son, the parable kept, kept coming to my head. And uh, I remember there was this one professor I had in college, and he kept saying, you know, you know it's interesting because the prodigal son could be called the prodigal father. And I was like, that's interesting. That's, that's, odd. that's a, you know, a new way to look at it. And it kind of piqued my interest. And I started looking into, like, where that idea kind of stemmed from. And uh, there was this story that R.C. Sproul Jr. was, uh, you know, talking about. And uh, he was talking about this one time when he was the chief editor of a publication in his ministry that they would send out, and he would have to check the grammar and all that. And he said so many things slipped through his his fingers because he wasn't that great as, as an editor, essentially. He was saying, like, people are so picky, too. He said he would get letters. People would be like, that semicolon should have been a colon. You know, like, he got that wrong. Like, we're really quick to pe- point out people's faults, right? Um, or, like, one guy was like, you know, farther would have been a much better word choice than further there. You, you really need to get your act together. But then he, then he was talking about one time, um, you know, no one caught one of his mistakes. He spelled a whole, like, word wrong in the title. It was only a two-word title, and he got one word horribly misspelled. He's like, it was in Latin, so nobody cared anyway. Like, no one, no one, no one knew. Um, but the big one was, he said, he accidentally... Uh, you know, hit the okay or checked off the box for, for a publication on something that said uh, the prodigal father instead of the prodigal son. And he got, he got this. Um, he said, once I can remember receiving high praise for a mistake that I wrote something about the, the parable of the prodigal son. And by accident, I referred to it as a story of the prodigal father. The letter I received was chock full of high praise. The man said, I can't believe someone finally said it. I always think this is the sto- what the story should be called. Thank you for having the courage and insight to make this point. He's like, uh, he's, he's, he said, he went on for so long, I started to feel pretty good. But then I remembered I made a mistake and not communicated an insight. Uh, as I read, however, I came to see the wisdom of the man's perspective, not on my editorial skills, but on the parable. 
It is indeed the par- parable of the prodigal father. It is true enough that a prodigal, that prodigal can mean wasteful or careless. It can also, however, refer to someone who is extravagant in giving, overflowing in graciousness and abundant in tenderness and love. Um, and now, if you don't remember the, the details of the parable uh, of the prodigal son, here's what happens. So there's this, this is guy, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he says, this guy has two sons. And the youngest says, uh, I want my inheritance now, please. And, you know, in that culture, inheritance was when someone dies. You know, it's still kind of how inheritance is. Uh, your, your parent dies, and then you get an inheritance. Uh, so he was basically saying, drop dead dad. I want my stuff now. Uh, so already, kind of don't like the kid. Um, so the son takes his stuff and leaves to another country. Uh, and he just lives wildly, extravagantly. Uh, it says, like, he wasted his money on prostitutes and partying and everything else, uh, and just lived however he wanted. And pretty soon, he came to the end of his inheritance and was in need. And a famine hit the land, too, to make things worse, and he was going hungry. So he hired himself out to these people in the country he was in, and he got a job feeding pigs. Now, for someone from Israel to be feeding pigs is a really big no-no. Uh, you know, they saw pigs as unclean, and when Jesus was telling us the Pharisees, they would immediately pick up on that and be like, ah, that's pretty bad. Uh, he's much worse off now, you know. Um, so he had this job that made him, you know, to the Pharisees and to how they saw the law, unclean. Uh, and it says that he eventually started seeing that the pig's food actually looks pretty good, which is pretty nasty. I don't know if you see, I grew up with friends on a farm, and, uh, and I would go over there and see the pig food, and it's just nasty. It's like you took all the stuff from Thanksgiving and like put it in the trash compactor and then threw it out of it, and like, it's gross. Um, so, you know, he's like, he started seeing that the pig's food looked good. Uh, and then he was like, you know what? Even my father's servants live better than this, so maybe I can go back, and maybe I can just be his servant. And so you can see that there's this, there's this huge turnaround, there's this humility of, you know, I don't deserve to be welcomed back, but maybe I'll go back and he'll, he'll let me be a servant at least. So he makes the journey home, uh, and the, the parable says, when he was still far off, his father saw him and ran out to him. So you can kind of see the, how desperately the father wants him back, too. It's not like he had to knock on the door and was like, what do you want? You know, the father ran out to him, embraced him, uh, and, he, and he asked, uh, he said, Father, I've, I've sinned before you and before heaven, and I would like to come back and be a servant in your household. And the father wouldn't have it. He, he uh, called the servants and brought the, brought the best robe, brought a ring, uh, called for the fattened calf to be killed, had his huge party, uh, and welcomed back as his son, not as a servant. Uh, and then, so the party's going on, there's dancing and music, and the, the oldest son comes out. And uh, I was like, what the heck is all this? And someone's like, well, your brother's back, so your, your father's throwing a party. And the, the, the other son is really upset. And he's like, Dad, I've been with you the whole time, and I've worked for you, and I've never even asked for anything like this. And why, do I, why, why am I good and I don't get anything, but he's bad and he gets something when he wants to come back? And the father is basically like, but the point is to be here with me. Do, do you not get that? The point isn't to, you know, want a huge party. The, the point is that you're with me in fellowship with me and you're in my house uh, and he's being welcomed back into my house. Um, and, he, and he invites the, the other brother to, to join in the celebration because someone that was lost came back. Uh, so that's kind of premise of the whole thing, uh, maybe if you have forgotten or not heard about the prodigal son, uh, but R.C. Sproul keeps talking, you know, about this article that he mistitled, 
Um, and this is what he said, and, uh, and we're going to move into communion as, as we finish up here. This is kind of the quote I want to end on, because I think if you're, if you're feeling beat up, like, man, I don't, I don't want to hear a sermon about how bad I am, uh, or maybe you're hearing this and being like, yeah, you know, I, I did think I was pretty good. Maybe I need to show the correct measure of, of my bad, badness, wickedness uh, against God's love so I can see how wild God's love is. This is kind of what sums up everything. You know, there's a balance. You don't want to be beat up but you don't want to you know, say you're too good, right? Um, this is what R.C. Sproul Jr. said. He said, it's good and wise that we should learn to recognize ourselves in the Bible. I always encourage people with this rule of thumb. If you want to know who you are in the Bible story, you're the sinner. And in the course of this story, you're both the sinners. Um, and he says, we are both of the brothers in this parable of the prodigal son. We squander the gifts given to us by our father. We dishonor and obey him, uh, disobey him. We pursue our own ends, seeing him as merely the supplier of our needs. So we get on with acquiring our wants. On the other hand, we're also like the older brother, think of our, thinking of ourselves as rather fine. We don't sin as outrageously as the heathen we see on television. We aren't hedonists like the prodigal. We, because we are sinners, somehow manage to be both libertines and Pharisees, self-indulgent and self-righteous. The story, however, does not end there. And this is the big point I want you to see. It is a good thing to come face to face with the depth and scope of our sin. It is a better thing to come face to face with the grace of God. The parable does not tell us how bad we, or does tell us how bad we are, but it ends with a robe, a fattened calf, and a great celebration. It ends with a heartfelt embrace of the prodigal and a gentle, loving call to repentance of the older brother. The story ends just as ours ends, with grace of God for us. And that's what I want us to see. You know, our, our story, doesn't, because of Christ, doesn't end with how bad we are. Our story ends with how wildly God loves us. Um, and as, as the ushers come forward and pass out communion, uh, just take it on, on your own time. Just you know, kind of find that balance of that, that perspective of, of God's wild love for you. You know, while you were a, a blatant enemy of his, he, he gave his life for you. You know, we, we said wild, being wild means that you, you abandon self-preservation. That's exactly what he did for you uh, when he came to earth. He abandoned self-preservation so you could be with him. Thank you for listening. For more information and additional resources, visit our website at newhopechurchtn.org. Also check us out on Facebook, iTunes, Instagram, and Twitter.